Being the Worst, Episode 39, recorded Friday, January 23rd, 2015. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsman. With your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdulid. In this episode, Carrie and Renat return. The guys catch up on some of the development that Renat's been doing while they were away and set their recording timer to 30 minutes. They discuss that their sample GTD domain from past episodes is being implemented with Facebook Flux and React.js as they set the stage for future episodes. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. Renat, are you there? Mr. Abdulin? is it really true that we're back and we're talking to each other on a recording? Yeah, we're back. <laughs> awesome. Well, why don't we just jump right into it? Because I know you just set the Pomodoro timer on us, so we're going to try to stick to these 30-minute things and make it much easier for me to publish these things, and I won't edit as much. I'm going to really try to not be a total control freak and just put this on the wide-open internet with whatever dumb comment I happen to say. So let's go for it, man. What do you want to talk about? Absolutely. Okay, uh, let's catch up about stuff that happened since the last episode mm-hmm. and uh, how we can continue our journey through cool. the GTD, GTD world. You wet my appetite uh, on Twitter because I saw your uh, picture of... Uh, some do- a domain I was kind of familiar with from the past, but it was written in this foreign Go Flex Rux Flex React whatever, and uh, I'm like, okay, that looks cool. Let's talk about it. So get me up to speed, man. Okay, so basically, for the last year, I think, or something like that, uh, I've been working first at uh, Happy Pancake Project, mm-hmm. helping uh, to design the architecture uh, for the largest Swedish online free dating website. Right, and then. Uh, on that project, we were working. That's where we discovered uh, the first how nicely Go language fits uh, into the niche of building uh, backends or middleware servers, and uh, it's really good for uh, rapid prototyping. And then we also discovered how nice and neat is the Flux and React JS. These are relatively new kits on the block from Facebook. Uh, which work really well for building decomposable uh, UIs. So uh, before discovering this stuff, uh, I knew that usually .NET, or sorry, not .NET, uh, web applications are built like either MVC style with something like ASP.NET MVC, or maybe they are built as single page applications where a page loads, then it loads JavaScript, then you start uh, your have a tiny application in your browser, which talks to the backend server, uh, gets some JSON, and renders that into the templates. Uh, and all options were pretty scary, especially since I spent quite a bit of time in ASP.NET MVC world. <laughs> and then, so uh, at the Happy Pancake project, we actually had to build UIs. And since uh, every developer had to wear multiple hats, I had to build uh, UIs. And we explored all the options for uh, building UIs. Uh, starting from the uh, simple, I think it was based on the backbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, knock, a bit of knockout uh, and all of the frameworks. Uh, and then we ended up actually with building an isomorphic web app. It's uh, a web application where like, whenever you type any URL, the URL can be bookmarked. Uh, it is served to you very, very fast 
by the web server. So like the page load is instantaneous. Mm -hmm. But whenever uh, after this page was loaded on your browser, uh, it magically turns into the single page application. So all the clicks and changes afterwards uh, magically feel like they're native, they're instantaneous, very fast. Yeah, and just it's a it's funny you mentioned that word because I heard I think actually I think the first time I heard it was you say it or on Twitter or something and you were talking about isomorphic this isomorphic that and I'm like what the heck are they talking about and then I I watched uh, the first part of your DDD e Belgium talk where I think it came up or you mentioned it in your it was I'm like oh they're talking about a hybrid where you start on the server and it switches to a spa I'm like okay that makes I get it now but uh, I where did that term come from did you make that up or did somebody what is that. Is that real? Uh, well, at least it's real, although maybe it's not what it means. <laughs> uh, but at least uh, the Yahoo guys, the guys from uh, Airbnb, mm-hmm. uh, the guys from the... Not, yeah, I think that's just Yahoo and guys from Airbnb. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's what they mean. It's like uh, usually uh, there was this case when Twitter some time ago, they had really long uh, page load times. Mm-hmm. Basically, when somebody went to a Twitter link, uh, they had to wait for a few seconds while uh, the browser was uh, receiving the HTML, then receiving the scripts, then uh, actually lo- parsing the scripts and loading them, and then uh, plugging in the templates, and only then they could actually see something and tweet. Right. So uh, they had this measurement of a uh, thing they called time to tweet. <laughs> Uh, it's basically, uh, since you clicked on the link, how much time does it actually take you to tweet? Uh, and it was pretty uh, high uh, by their standards. So they actually tried to rewrite it. So uh, what they did, they started serving uh, HTML, which is already rendered on the server. And then when a browser got this HTML, it already could display a UI. Mm-hmm. Although the UI could be actionable only in a few seconds, because like all the JavaScript was wired in the background. But for the users, like uh, a few seconds is good enough time to actually start reading and start realizing that something is displayed on the screen, and they can uh, do something about that. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you kind of overfill human, uh, overflow human attention, then they can start thinking that things happen instantaneously. <laughs> and, and yeah, so basically, it's it's a hybrid web application that is uh, part server served and part uh, spa, basically. And, yes. and and I guess that means it did does doing it that way also solve the SEO problems that spas have? Like you get that benefit too? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, okay, cool. All right, we're on the same page. And I now I now I get it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and previously, like when people had single page applications, they usually started building uh, side alone servers, uh, which uh, re- intercepted all search engine requests, mm-hmm. uh, so that when the search engine request comes, don't serve uh, them the Java uh, JSON, but uh, have a really dirty uh, page template that is populated uh, with the JSON on the server and served. This way, uh, CEO engines trying to browse uh, URLs of your application, they'll get a dirty text that they can actually like reason about. I see. And with isomorphic apps, uh, they get all the proper HTML. So I assume that's where you guys landed a happy pancake. You went with an isomorphic kind of a design. Yeah. And fortunately, we didn't have to invent anything. Uh, first, we actually tried uh, render, which was out. Oh, uh, render, it was a project from the Walmart Labs. It actually very, very nice. 
Uh, before that, we tried uh, something uh, isomorphic as well from the Airbnb. Uh, it was also quite nice. But then uh, the Yahoo team, it's like, yeah, Yahoo is actually, I think it started changing because they have all these brilliant people. They have all these brilliant ideas and they open source that. And uh, currently one of their teams is rewriting uh, Yahoo Mail and they're uh, rewriting it as isomorphic pap, uh, application using Flex, uh, Facebook Flux architecture pattern mm -hmm. with React.js and uh, they open sourced all the components. Ah, okay, cool. And that's what we started using. And it actually works quite simple, quite easy. Of course, there are uh, a few unsolved problems, but it's a pleasure to develop. Now, the you mentioned React, and I, I may not be remembering this correctly, but now is React the Yahoo open source version of the Facebook architecture? Oh, no, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, React.js is a standalone library, okay. uh, which was open sourced by Facebook. Okay. Basically, uh, it allows you to declare uh, UI components, widgets you may call them, uh, as a very nicely written JavaScript file. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it can be JavaScript or it can be uh, JS6, which is almost like JavaScript, uh, but uh, it like, uh, has a, a few uh, sugar syntax things. Uh, GSX, okay, JSX, yes. okay. Uh, and so uh, React.js allows to declare uh, widgets uh, or uh, UI components as these com uh, component files. And these component files are can use each other. So they can be really focused. You can have, for example, a button component. Uh, you can have a dialogue component. You can have uh, a link with a check component. Uh, and when you load this up, uh, all these components like in a tree, uh, it, this, components tree, this component tree can uh, render a declaration of HTML. And then uh, React Engine, which runs in the background, can actually look, take a look at this uh, declaration of HTML, like the stuff that they rendered, uh, can take a look at the browser window, and it actually can synchronize the browser DOM with this uh, HTML declaration. Mm -hmm. And it, it does this by doing an efficient diff. Uh, what this means is that if you have an application that uses React.js to render your UI, uh, you can do crazy stuff there. Uh, first of all, you don't need to update anything. You just change your state, and React.js will re-render everything. Every time you change something, React.js uh, theoretically can re-render everything. Because it's uh, all it does is just uh, constructs this uh, HTML declaration in memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then in the background, there is React.js magic happening where it synchronizes this uh, declaration with this virtual DOM with real DOM. Okay. And for example, it can do uh, such nice optimization as, uh, for example, you're changing everything in your UI uh, 100 times per second. React.js on the background can actually change it 25 times per second <laughs> simply because there is no point in going faster. Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, because you uh, manipulate with virtual DOM, which is fast, and then React uh, JS actually takes the heavy lifting of talking to the real DOM. Uh, it makes it uh, the UIs make become really fast first, and second uh, UIs using React JS become simpler because you don't have to actually like for example go to a, a component or go to any HTML element uh, when something changes and update that HTML element. No. Instead, you just change your model, 
and feed that the model to the like uh, to the screen component. Hmm. A screen component can have smaller components inside, smaller components inside, smaller components inside. So basically, the state model will get propagated by uh, by the component tree, and uh, actually only the stuff that has to be changed will be changed. I so see. you don't update anything; you update everything. Hmm. And it figures it out. Yes. Cool. And so, what what part of the does Re- React only deal with the spa part of it, or the both parts of it? Is it you render it first on the server, and then you push it down, and it becomes a spa? Or what? How do we get isomorphic out of React? Okay, ReactJS is a very tiny standalone application which deals just with declaring uh, components uh, and rendering them and synchronizing them to the browser DOM if needed. That's it. Okay. It doesn't do anything else. All right. uh, of course, since it deals with virtual DOM, uh, ReactJS components can be rendered uh, both on the client and on the server. Mm. And actually, uh, it works so nicely that uh, I've just took the time and redid my blog in ReactJS. Uh, so currently, my uh, it used the blog used to run on uh, GoLang, a uh, blog generator called Hugo, and now it's just a bunch of uh, JavaScript scripts, uh, which take my uh, content in the Markdown, parse, pass this uh, Markdown to a bunch of uh, React.js pages uh, in a script. Uh, then uh, this they spit out some pre-generated HTML, and then I simply uh, load this HTML as a static site to Amazon S3. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, that's very easy. And in fact, I'm not using uh, React.js for any uh, single-page uh, fast transition magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you actually look at the sources, there is uh, no React.js or no React.js uh, markers there, hmm. because I just use it to generate uh, static HTML. I see. But it was so easy, it was so nice, and I was afraid of uh, touching, of doing any UI before. With <laughs> React.js, it becomes very easy. Cool. Okay. Cool. So, so you guys obviously selected React as part of the whole picture. Uh, yeah, React.js. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is a Flux architecture pattern, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, coined by Facebook, and they also provide the canonical implementation. Uh, basically, it's so if React.js deals with uh, the components and the UI, the way it is rendered statically, mm-hmm. so basically we have a screen, and the screen is synchronized to the browser, and you see the user sees it. So uh, Flux deals actually with user experience, user interactions. Like, what if something happened on a server, uh, or a user clicked on something? How do you update the UI? How do we uh, maintain the application state? Hmm. And uh, Flux handles that by uh, declaring a few things which look very familiar to the SecureS guys. Uh, basically, it says that uh, all changes to this application state can happen only uh, via the events. And uh, that's first. Uh, then they say that like all events go for a central dispatcher, which is a basically part of the library, uh, and this dispatcher dispatches them to the stores. Uh, stores are much like uh, projections with in-memory views. Okay. Uh, but like since the uh, Flux methodology was originated in the Facebook, where they don't have uh, exposure to secure SDD that much, mm-hmm. so they, they like they have their own terms. And so the stores are much like uh, projections within the memory views, with one important caveat, uh, that unlike the stores in the SecureS world, unlike the projections in the SecureS world, uh, stores in the Flux world is that 
is where the most complexity goes. Oh. People just try to stuff as much complexity as uh, as possible there, so that the rest of the application will be very easy, very simple. And so uh, stores uh, they react to uh, any events, they update their internal state, uh, and there is one more difference. Uh, when store changes in uh, in reaction to the event, it can emit a pulse saying, "I changed, I changed, I changed." Uh, and then uh, we have a bunch of uh, components uh, which are currently being displayed. Uh, and every component in uh, React, it can be wired to the store, one or more stores. Uh, and in reaction, when, uh, basically a component can be notified when the store changes. Uh, and if it, uh, not, it, it is notified, it can get uh, some state out of the store by uh, querying the store, and uh, it can uh, accept the state, set it to its own, and basically this will cause the UI to re-render. I see. And so uh, the only way to change the UI is by publishing an event, which will go for the dispatcher to the stores and the component. So you publish an uh, event, it goes to the store in the Flux thing. Flux says, I changed, I changed, I changed. React's watching for the, all the changes, and it says... Give me all the changes. Give me everything, and I'll figure out what I need to switch on the screen. Yes. Cool. Now, now is Flux? You, now, I just so I'm not confused. I think Flux is generically like an architecture, and then there's yes. Im- various implementation which Facebook provides the de facto one of. So, is Flux? That does that mean like Facebook has an open source Flux.js or something? I think so. Yes. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of uh, open source implementations okay. of Flux that spawned. Uh, from the Flux architecture pattern. Okay. There is like something like Reflex, Reflux, which seems to be quite popular. And there is one I particularly like, is uh, Yahoo Fluxible. Oh, Fluxible. Uh, okay. I, okay. Flexible, hmm? Fluxible. So, so all of these different Flux implementations are claiming to implement the architectural pattern that Facebook put out called Flux, and you can choose different JavaScript libraries that do it the way you like. Exactly, and okay. they have different flavors. So, for example, with Fluxible, I think they simplify uh, Flux a little bit. I think they get rid of action creators. Uh, and action creators and actions are uh, one uh, missing bit of Flux that which we didn't cover. So, basically, uh, we have a component which, in the long run, react to events. So, how do we actually publish these events? Uh, react components can have event handlers which are wired, for example, to button click or link click or mouse move, whatever. Mm-hmm. And when you do that in the browser, React will uh, emit a synthetic event in the code, and you can choose to uh, that code to call an action creator, as Flux calls it, or uh, as we call in the GTD code, uh, its event creator, because it makes more sense. Oh, oh the, the GTD code you're referring to is the, the the implement the sample code that you actually published and sort of used our GTD getting things done domain that we were working exactly. on previously. Okay, got it. So you're using kind of our vocabulary words for this stuff. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, so event creator is just a tiny method, uh, one method uh, per file, which uh, emits, which is very thin, which has very small logic, uh, unlike command handlers in other code although it has some similarities. Uh, and the only task it does, it just emits events. So, for example, event creator can talk to the uh, backend API to perform some actions. 
Uh, and when the API says, okay, this was saved, uh, it will emit event that saying task was created. And uh, that's where you, uh, like UI event will go uh, to the dispatcher and it will update all the UI. Uh, there is this distinction, though, between the uh, front-end events, like the UI events, uh, browser events, and the domain events. Uh, domain events are something that we persist, are something that we uh, reason the domain about. Like, uh, for example, in case of uh, GTD domain, its task was created, uh, task was uh, updated, task was moved to the project, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, UI events uh, or flux events, uh, that's something that we reason uh, our front-end, our application about. Task was loaded or task was checked or uh, task was deleted or we loaded uh, 10 tasks for the project. Oh, right, right. Similar to, I think you kind of had a concept like that and when you were, had a, that sample uh, WinForms application where you had specific events related to UI-related only events. Exactly, okay. yes. Got it. So uh, they don't uh, make sense on the uh, backend uh, simply because there is no UI there. And also uh, in the any application, we have like browser events. Link was clicked, uh, in, inbox, or sorry, uh, text input was changed, Etc. Etc. Okay. So uh, these are three different categories of events, and they go uh, to different places. Uh, browser events they uh, are created by the browser or React environment, and uh, we react to them. We react to them by calling event creators, which will maybe talk to the API uh, or just publish uh, browser events. Oh, sorry, uh, UI events. These UI events go into the Flux pipeline, and they they update the UI. Okay, uh, and so where did this come from? Uh, so we at Happy Pancake, we finally arrived at this uh, way of thinking about the UIs and building uh, the single page applications, which can be also isomorphic. And it was very easy and very nice way to play and build uh, web applications. I fell in love with that. Hmm. Uh, well, first of all, enough to write uh, my blog, and <laughs> that was actually a really good move because it allowed me to start uh, understanding uh, the, my blog more, like how I write things, how I structure things. And so uh, during the DDD Belgium, I talked about the GTD application, right. and actually it's available uh, on the GitHub. Oh, good. We'll so, post uh, links there to is, that. Yeah. Uh, so there is a Flux uh, implementation of GTD. Currently, it's uh, isomorphic. It has just only a few concepts. It has inbox, uh, ability to uh, add tasks to that, ability to check them, ability to store them. Uh, and it, is, uh, it uses uh, server-side in-memory storage. And recently, I also started uh, writing the backend for that, mm-hmm. uh, something that is based on kind of microservices event-driven design. So it's not uh, secure S, like there are no commands, for example, there. Uh, it's more like a mod- modules with API, which are event-driven. Okay. That's something I found to be working uh, better uh, with less complexity than like pure secure S with event sourcing approach. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I'm writing that uh, backend in Go because it's uh, very simple and easy to reason about, although without any doubt, it can be quite easily ported, uh, can be ported to the .NET code. 
Cool. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot easier. Well, I think I'm following, but I'm sure when I look at the sample and we go through it a little bit, it, you'll be able to reference this back and it'll make a lot more sense. Where, Because I think going through this conversation really quickly, um, I'm not 100% sure in my mind, like, okay, where what things are happening in JavaScript, which things are happening in Go. It sounds like most of the stuff today has been talking about parts of the JavaScript somewhere that's doing stuff. Exactly. Okay. Which we might have to back up there and start uh, our next episode or something soon might be, okay, give me your crash course on JavaScript because I haven't lo- I haven't cared about it for many, many years. And here's JavaScript, the good parts. It looks a little bit like C Sharp. Uh, put your, uh, you know, put your brackets on the line, on the same line. And remember these five keywords and go for it. Like something like that. <laughs> uh, actually, yes. Uh, the way you mentioned it, JavaScript, the good parts, the tiny book is a really good reference. First. Uh, second, about putting the brackets on the same line, and uh, actually the solution, uh, the GTD solution that is there, if you're running it, uh, basically there are uh, linting files, okay. uh, linting files which will, uh, when you try to build the solution, uh, they will throw errors if you don't put the brackets where they belong, or if you have like an extra space, or you do something stupid. Oh, so cool. uh, the, this, the solution will protect, first of all, uh, against the stupid errors. And second, uh, there is also uh, formatting files. Uh, there is a tool called uh, format. Uh, basically, it can format some files. It can't format JSX files, I think, yet. Uh, or maybe it can't lint. Okay, uh, not a big deal. So mm-hmm. linting is finding errors. Formatting is uh, making sure that there is a consistent format across the files. I see. So uh, these two things are part of the solution. And they will kind of make sure that there is more consistency to that. Cool. So, so although the JavaScript is really flexible uh, language, you can do a lot of things like good and bad alike. But uh, there are certain tools that strengthen that allow you to place additional design constraints on how you use the language or how you use the language in a team, and that shape this very flexible language to the flavor that you're interested in. And of course, the flavor can be different per project. Well, I know you didn't, at least I, I think you didn't do too much JavaScript in the past because you didn't do a lot of UI stuff. So did you did you also have to go through a kind of a quick learning curve to crash course yourself on JavaScript and all that stuff? Well, JavaScript is so simple. You don't have to learn much. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I did have to learn uh, the basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did uh, go for the JavaScript, the good parts book. Okay. And then uh, the only thing I've learned otherwise was uh, how to avoid using jQuery. <laughs> Because uh, jQuery is uh, currently a monster that is doing too many things. And for example, uh, like uh, developers tend to uh, include jQuery if there is a tiny method that they're actually interested in. Although it's not a good pattern, as I've been told. Uh, it's better just to uh, use really focused libraries that do the job or simply do that uh, in the bare-bone uh, JavaScript language. Okay. Well, I'll I'll try to brush up on my basic JavaScript before we do the next one, just so I have some kind of a clue. But I'm I'm assuming that it's not that difficult, and maybe it took you what like a a week or so to feel pretty productive in it, or something. Something like that, yes. Yeah, okay. and the homework can be to try to load the GTD front end solution for now, mm-hmm. not touching the back end yet. Okay. Uh, try to run it on your machine. It can be either Windows. Uh, people running that, or uh, Mac, or Linux, it doesn't matter. Okay. 
and then uh, try to add a few tasks, see how the UI responds, and then uh, open the Chrome browser, install React uh, console in that, and try to inspect the UI in the React console. Hmm. You mean uh, it's some kind of Chrome plugin or something? Exactly. Oh, okay. And then the next task after what? After that, uh, open the Facebook, uh, open the React console, and look at the Facebook through the React console. And watch watch the events go crazy. Uh, no, there are no events, but it decomposes the UI. It shows like uh, from which uh, components is the UI structured. Composed. Oh, I see. You can see the actual, I guess, reusable components of React. Exactly. Oh, cool. Uh, and I don't think uh, Facebook publishes any events, but the GTD application, uh, if you open the JavaScript console while you're doing some stuff, like changing the events, or sorry, changing the task text, or checking and checking tasks, uh, events will be published there. So well, it's all pretty visible and interactive. So if I wanted to be really cool and not even go, not even try to do anything in Visual Studio or anything, I just wanted to maybe get like a quick and dirty copy of your Emacs environment on my Windows machine. I go download Emacs and go, what, clone your Git repository, or I will maybe we'll, I don't know how we'll link to it or something, but I'll start with yours on your Abdul. It's probably under your Abdul and GitHub, right? Uh, no, it's actually private. I'll link to it on top. Uh, the reason for that is every Emacs, uh, Emacs setup is different, mm-hmm. and it's better to actually try building your own mm-hmm. than try to follow whatever uh, setup the other user has. Okay. So uh, if you want to be productive with actually this application, uh, one thing we can do is start with Sublime. That's where I started. That's where everybody start, usually starts. Oh, okay, and it's, cool. Uh, we can talk that about that in a separate episode. Okay, cool. Good. So, all right, so I don't have to get too crazy with that. I can just use the Chrome plugin for now to do the homework and get familiar with JavaScript. And then next time we can talk about, all right, you can do Sublime, Visual Studio, Emacs, whatever. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I'd uh, dare you not to use Visual Studio because it's very <laughs> slow. It takes so much time to load, and it actually requires Windows. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> hey. Okay, we're, and we're out of time. Hey, we actually have like a minute because we paused. <laughs> I actually moved the when we paused. <laughs> oh, did you? All right, guys. Well, that's that's the timer that you might have been hearing in the background slightly. Because, uh, like we said, we're trying to keep these to 30 minutes, make it easier uh, on you guys to consume in 30-minute chunks, and make it easier on us to edit and get it out there faster uh, so we can avoid some of the pipeline issues from the past. We'll see how that goes. Um, Anything else, Renat? Okay, stay fresh and talk to you soon. Cool, guys. We are at Being the Worst on Twitter. I'm uh, at KC Street, and Renat is at Abdulin. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening if you're still around. Bye-bye. Bye.